Do I have your permission to be extremely direct with all of you today? Yes or no? All right, so a few things we need to know about today's times. The last two messages I've given you, both times when we spoke to this audience, the market was killing it. Both times when I spoke to market was great. When a market's great, when the economy is great, people don't listen carefully. People think they have everything together. People are overly confident. People think it's gonna last forever. People think it's gonna be awesome forever. They're gonna make the kind of money forever. And then the market hits like today, and then it becomes a filtering process. The best part about what we got going on today is the following. Here's the one thing I'm most excited about. We're truly gonna find out which of you were the players the last two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten years, and the market's gonna find out who got lucky. It's very simple. The people who got lucky, you're about to be exposed. Those of you that were really building a business on the right foundation, the market's about to find out about you. Your true leadership abilities, your true standards, your right values and principles behind closed doors, you staying disciplined, you not getting sloppy, you not picking bad habits, you not doing any of this dumb stuff that hurts your business. Everyone's gonna find out about you the next six, 12, 24, 36 months. Social media, I've been doing social media for about nine years now. Nine years, every year, last night, we're having a, a barbecue at Glendale with the owner of Rafi's place at his house. He's making me liver and we're eating all this food. And they're talking about how every year a new person came out in business and social media. So I go, did you hear the new guy? Oh my God, this guy's gonna blow up. Did you see this new guy? This guy's gonna blow up. Did you see this new real estate guy? This guy's gonna blow up. Did you see this new person? And then every year, boom. What, what happened to that? What was his name? What, what, was, what was her name? What was their name? Filter, filter. I can give you a lot of names right now. A lot of you guys are going, I forgot about that person. I forgot about that person. And then you realize, to stay relevant, decade after decade after decade after decade is what's hard to do. And those who do that not only make a lot of money, but the market looks at them as a leader. So my message is a very straight up message to you, and I'm going to give you a mindset for you to be thinking about to know that you have nothing to worry about while everybody else is panicking, while everybody else has anxiety, while everybody else is losing sleep, while everybody else is stressed out, while everybody else is sitting there worried about what's gonna happen, you're gonna sit there and say, future looks bright, I have nothing to worry about. So let's get right into the PowerPoint. Okay, so this right here, why did I write the long-term strategy? Today's message is actually the long-term strategy. Why the long-term strategy? If you've been following my content for a while, how many guys have read the book, Your Next Five Moves? Raise your hand if you've read the book, Your Next Five Moves. How many guys, how many guys have never read the book, Your Next Five Moves? You've never read it before? You may wanna order the book and read it for yourself. The structure of everything we do with our companies that we run, it's all in the book, Your Next Five Moves. This will be a different kind of an angle to give you. The most important question everybody has to ask today is, who do you want to be, okay? Most important question for people to ask today, Maybe more important than two years ago, than four years ago, than six years ago, than 10 years ago, it's today. For me, it was simple. Born and raised in Iran, that's me on the left with my sister. To the right is me at uh, 17 years old, I'm uh, with my dad. To the right of that picture is when I joined the army, I went to the 101st Airborne Division Air Assault. I had no clue what I wanted to do in my life. And then I get out, I start working with Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. This picture is taken two weeks after 9-11. While I'm working at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter, while Morgan Stanley lost 3,600 employees in their headquarters at World Trade Center, while a man named Dave Kirby sat us down who was the general manager, branch manager of this place in Glendale, California, and he said, if you guys left the industry today, I would fully understand it. It's gonna be very, very hard the next two years. Think about a motivational speaker giving you a message like that, and it's your boss. He sits us down, vividly he says, guys, if you chose to leave, I fully get it. The next two years are gonna be very hard. But I wanna tell you something here, what's that? If you do stick around, and you're in it, after the two years, the kind of money some of you guys are gonna make, none of us have ever made before. So I sat there and I said, okay, I don't know how this thing's gonna be, I don't know how the market's gonna be. I have no clue what the hell's about to happen. The meeting ends, we all leave. 
And you know, when you leave, like imagine Albert holds a meeting and then you leave and you're sitting there talking to yourself, you have lunch with your guys. So we leave. I go to the corner, it's 10 of us. We're sitting there talking. I'm like, so what are you gonna be doing? This guy named Shaq. He, he was Asian, but his name was Shaq, which made no sense because he was 5'4", but his name was Shaq. So Shaq's like, guys, hey, let me tell you what I'm going to be doing. What are you going to be doing? I'm going to go get a job at the bank because I'm going to be the broker at the bank. And guess what they're going to do at the bank? What's that? Dude, all you do is nothing. You just go through their database and you just sell the existing customers. No more cold calling, no more prospecting, no more this, no more that, no more this. You're never going to do that. You're going to make 170, 250, eventually three, 400,000. It's the best job in the world. That's what I'm going to be doing. And I'm sitting there like, huh, see what the next guy's going to say. Next guy says, man, I've got to tell you, man, I'm going to go into a completely different industry. Okay. What's the next guy going to say? Everybody's talking from a place of leaving. One guy comes out and says, hey, Pat, all these guys, whatever they said, you don't ever want to go to the bank. Why is that? Because when you have a job that's, that's easy and you all of a sudden get too sloppy, they fire you, bring somebody else because everybody wants that job. You don't ever want to work at the bank because they'll always fire that person because it's an easy job. You're an order taker. Never take that job. Don't fall for it. I'm like, great counsel. Then this guy said this, that guy said this, this guy said this. I said, look, I'm going to stick around. And by the way, while this whole thing is going on, I'm going through a bad breakup. The army's asking me to come back to wipe out my $49,000 of debt if I go back into the army. Nothing's going my way in this picture. Don't let the smile fool you. Nothing's going good in my, in my way right now, okay? The girl on the right, I don't know if you see that girl to the right, to the right of the light. Do you see the light? In 1997, she graduated high school. She got a 1560 on her SAT out of 1600. She went to UC Berkeley, got a four-year degree in two and a half years. She also left. She went and became a scientist. She makes two, three hundred thousand dollars a year as a scientist. So I'm sitting there saying, Pat, what the hell are you going to be doing? I sat there, I said, you know what? Here's what I've learned. Every book I read said, go to a place or a market or an industry where there's a lot of problems. Be the solution, be the voice, be poised, be calm, bring the energy to the place, you'll create a ton of wealth. Don't go to the place where there's no problems. Go to the place where there is problems and become the solution. I'm like, okay, all these books are saying the same thing. Why the hell would I leave the industry? Because no industry has more problems than the financial industry right after 2001, 9-11. Like, you know what, I'm sticking around. So I stick around. I stick around, I get my whole licenses, everything, I double down, I get my insurance license, I go to Trans World, I stay with them for seven and a half years, do incredibly well for myself. October of 09, we start our own insurance company, and we grow the insurance company from 66 agents. We've licensed now 35,000 agents. We have 20,000 active agents, few hundred offices nationwide. And we stay focused. Part-time, I'm creating content. 2012, 2013, I do my first video. I did one video a week, two minutes with Pat. And I said, I'm gonna do 100 videos for two years. If the audience doesn't like the way I give my message, I will shut it down, I'll never create content again. But I'm gonna do one video a week, on a phone, two minutes with Pat like this, and I'll try it once a week. We did 100 videos. Every single video was over two minutes, typically 12, 15 minutes. The only video that was ever two minutes was the last video. The biggest complaint I got is, Pat, you can't say two minutes with Pat. You're lying to all of us. You gotta say 10 minutes with Pat, 15 minutes with Pat. None of them are two minutes. Two years later, we changed our strategy for content. Next thing you know, the content goes on what it's doing. Then we get 100,000 subs, half a million subs, a million subs. Today we got, I don't know, four and a half, five million subs. We got like 10 YouTube channels, a few hundred thousand, few channels with a few hundred thousand subs, Russian language, Spanish language. We're launching Arabic, Mandarin, a whole different thing that we're doing with that business. That grew. 90 days ago, the insurance company, we partnered with a new company called IMG. Money came from uh, Silver Lake Money. We sold the business for a very, very, very nice, multi, multi, nine-figure type of evaluation. And we had a nice 83% give or take equity in the company. Why am I sharing this story with you? 
When I'm here, I'm broke. This was my vision. I wanted to one day have this. I told, my I told myself when I was 23, 24 years old, relationship didn't work out. I said, listen, long-term, Pat, not short-term. Long-term, what life do you want? I sat there, I said, long-term, these Americans, eventually if you have kids, these Americans like to do these, uh, what do you do when the kids get together and they spend the night at someone's house? What do they call that stuff? What do they call it? I don't like sleepovers. I'm from Iran, guys. We don't do sleepovers. But if you are going to do sleepovers, you're going to do it at our house with 40 cameras around. It's the only place you're doing a sleepover at. Well, I'm not, my kids are not doing a sleepover at your place. You can come to my place. Okay. Then I said, one day when I'm a grandfather and we have our kids that marry other people, their kids, our grandkids, are going to decide which grandpa's house and grandma's house they want to go for Christmas and Thanksgiving, we have to offer the best place. <laughs> what do you mean we got to offer the best place? I want the in-laws to stay. I want their kids to stay. Bring your grandkids. If it's 40, I'm going to get a house big enough where 40, 50 people stay in one place. Why, you want to do that? By the way, I'm saying this at 24 years old. I'm only 43 right now. I'm thinking at 65, 70 years old, whose house? Jennifer and I the other day are looking at a house we want to buy in, um, babe, are you in the audience or you're in the back? I don't know where she's at, maybe she's in the back. Oh, okay, we're looking at a house the other day in Greenwich. You guys know where Greenwich is at, you know, in the Connecticut area? The house we're looking at is 12 acres, it's 20 some, 25,000 square foot house, $40 million house, and we want to buy this place. Because we want to have a place where the family can go, and I'm going to create the podcast set where we do podcasts from their kids play their summer you stay there 60 days 90 days we do business back and forth we open up a business office or I can do business from there while we're staying out of Greenwich house guys I've been thinking about this life 20 years 20 years and the reason why I'm sharing this with you at this time because so many people are currently worried about short-term issues interest rates Fed Russia, Ukraine, all of this mess. It's true. It is a very, very scary time. But if you're thinking long term, it's not a scary time. It's a regular Tuesday when you're thinking long term. Does that make sense to everybody? So now this is what I'm saying to you. Long term, what life do you want to have? We got four kids now. Brooklyn's at the top. She is extremely smart. You know how I know that? Her first words were daddy. And she loves me the most. Brilliant kid. This kid knows what she's doing. We got Senna that's right next to mommy. She has no clue who I am. She sees me as the person that just makes the money. Of course, she loves me, but she's in love with mommy, right? Fireball. Dylan is the one in the pink. Patrick is one in the blue. Four days ago, I'm at the house. I'm like, guys, you know one of you guys is going to be a president one day. And they're like, Dylan's like, it's not going to be me. I said, I didn't say it's going to be you. I said, one of you, it could be Brooklyn, it could be Senna, it could be Tico, it could be you, but one of you is going to be a president one day. By the way, what's the chances of one of my kids being a president one day? You know what the chances? 0. 0.0001. If you actually do the percentage, how slim is it? It's a very small number. So I tell him that. And I notice he's like, it's not going to be me, it's going to be one of them three. I'm like, okay, let's see if he's going to bite. Three minutes later, you know what question he asked me? He says, uh, Hey, Daddy, I got a question for you. What's that? How old do you have to be to be a president? <laughs> it's a buying question. That's all I want. I said, 35. You got a long ways to go. We're not we're going to talk about it later on, but one of you guys will be president one day. What's the point here? I have no idea if any of this stuff's going to become a reality or not. None of this stuff. I have no idea. But I'm casting a vision, and I'm thinking long term. When you have a vision long term that you're excited about, current issues don't stress you out. They don't. Every one of your competitors, many of them that are not going to make it the next two years, I can guarantee you right now, 90% of them, all they're thinking about is today. That's all I'm going to tell you. I guarantee you. Because I had a lot of guys I went up against in the last 20-something years that were bigger than me, smarter than me, better degrees, better markets, better background, better accolades, better speakers, better everything. They look better. They look like somebody that would be a CEO of an insurance company. Do I look like a CEO of an insurance company? I look like a bodyguard from the Middle East. I don't look like a CEO of an insurance company. 
The typical insurance agent was a 56-year-old white male. I asked the guy, I said, what percentage of insurance agents are from Iran? The guy's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I said, out of all these agents we have in America, what percentage are Iranian? I said, no, listen, Pat, you guys are in the other section. There's white, then it's Asian, then it's Hispanic, then it's black, then it's this, then it's that. You're in the other section, less than 1%. I'm not supposed to be here. That's what I'm trying to tell you, okay? But again, long-term's the way to think today in this economy. So now, outcome, I'm gonna give you some perspective and some mindset. So now, a few data points. 53% of Americans say they rarely or never think about far future. 53% never think about it. Some of you are saying 20 years? I'm not gonna be thinking 20 years ahead. I'm gonna think maybe three weeks ahead, but not 20 years ahead. I get it, it's not easy to do. 21% report image imagining this future less than once a year. Can you imagine? That means one out of five person even sits there thinking about the future. Like all I'm going to be thinking about is right now. One out of five. So if you're on the other side, you already have an edge over these guys. 32% say it never even crosses their mind at all. This is why I asked the question for you about long-term versus short-term planning. Everything's about the question, who do you want to be? A recent study revealed that around 33% of small businesses have a formal business plan. How many of you right now, if I called on you and I said, I got $100,000 I'm going to give away right now, who has their formal business plan with them in their hands right now? Raise your hand if you have it with you. Raise your hand if you have it with you. I'll give you $100,000. Stand up if you have it with you. Stand up if you have it with you. Okay, here's another question for you. How many of you guys, how many of you guys, your business plan that you wrote for the year, you've read it or looked at it in the last week? Be honest, straight up. You spent a few thousand dollars to come here, so we don't need... In the last week, how many of you guys looked at your business plan? Look around, actually look, don't look at me, look around. Look around. Do you, by the way, some, when people used to do that with me in an audience, I used to be like, man, he's making me feel like shit right now. It's not the point. The point is you just found an edge here because no one's doing that. Everyone's just winging it. Your entire competition, 90%, they're all winging it. And most likely, you and I are also winging it. But the market's wide open today, especially today. But no one's planning. So now, the greatest danger, this is one of the greatest business consultants and authors of all time. Go buy every one of these books, you'll never be disappointed. Peter Drucker, he said, the greatest danger in times of turbulence is not the turbulence. It is to act with, yet, act with yesterday's logic. You know what this means? I'm gonna solve it the same way I solved it five years ago. It's not gonna work today. It's a different problem today. Yeah, I'm gonna do it the same way I did it 10 years ago. It's not gonna work today. Let me give you some more perspective. Like I said, I was gonna give it to you. Dow Jones. Anyone know where Dow Jones was on Friday? Where did Dow Jones end up with on Friday? Anyone knows? What did Dow end up on Friday? 28 something, right? And just a few months ago, that was at what? 36.7, 36.9. So first time, exactly. Markets dropped from 37,000 to 28.5. On Friday, I think the market dropped five, 600 points is what it dropped. Okay, now here's the thing. People panic. People panic on what's going on with the market. This is the Dow in 1957. Did you hear what I just said? 1957, Dow's at 435. This is down in 1970, 838. This is down in 1983. This is only 39 years ago, guys. How many of you guys are older than 39? Raise your hand if you're older than 39. You've lived longer than 30. Dow, 39 years ago, was only at 1258. That was at 29 right now. It's 22.8 times since 39 years ago. 1996, it was 6,400. Year I graduated high school. 2009, 10,428. 2022, as of Friday, 28,725. So if we go back and look at what the market's done from what was the number, from four something to what? From 435 all the way up to 28,000. When you look at this, how do you feel when you hear these numbers? When you look at this, how do you feel right now? Like, what are you thinking about? What does it make you think about? That means long term, guess what? What's gonna happen long term? We're okay long-term. Now watch this. Housing market, rates. How many of you love the rates going from 2.8 just a year ago to, what is it now, 683? 
Okay, six, eight, five, wherever. How many guys love the rates increasing the way they are? This is rates in 1957, five and a quarter. 1970, eight and a half. 1983, 3.2. How many guys would like a 3.2? Anybody would like a 3.2? You know what it was in 1981? 16. Let me say it one more time. In 1981, interest rates were 15 to 16%. And in two years, it went down to 3.2. 1995, 1996, 7.8. 2009, 5.04. Today, 6.83. What's the most constant thing that we notice about the race the last since 1950s? What do you notice? Always changes, okay? But even though the rates are changing, let me show you the next part. Average price of a home, 1957, 19 grand. 1970, 25 grand. 1983, 64 grand. 1996, $112,000. 2009, $188,000. 2022, $388,000. What do you notice throughout the entire time? It never was less. It kept going up. Again, the mindset of what? Long-term thinking, you're fine. Short-term, you'll panic. Long-term, you'll walk around the room like this. Hey, Johnny, how are you? Good. You're good? Patrick, everything good? Everything's good, man. I'm excited, bro. You, you, you are excited? Very excited. Very. Hey, Larry, how are you? Oh, bro. I don't know, man. My wife and I had a bad fight last night. How are you? Everything good? Future looks bright, man. Super excited about the future. Super excited about, hey Jackie, everything good? Oh, did you hear? Is, the, is today the day? Did they already announce the rates? Oh, I don't know, but guess what? What? Future looks so bright, I'm so excited about the future. And eventually everyone's gonna get together. You know what they're gonna say? I really think Pat's on ecstasy today. I saw him drinking a lot of water and his wife was rubbing his back. Something's going on with this guy. He's rolling, I'm telling you, Pat's too happy today. But no, you're thinking what? Long term, while everybody else is thinking what? Five minutes. Let me continue. Does anybody know who this guy is? Who is this guy? Come on. It ain't me for sure because I'm not white, but who, who is this guy? Who? Warren Buffett it is. Good for you. This is Warren Buffett. That's his net worth in 1957. How many guys have more money than $140,000? Raise hand if you got more than $140,000 net worth. Okay. You're richer than Warren Buffett once was. Now watch this. We're about to dissect this and then you'll see where I'm going with this. And I'm gonna give you clear leaks some of you are making and to make sure you plug it so it doesn't get worse for you and you excel. And one day we're telling your story on stage like this. 1957, he's worth 140. 13 years later, 1970, he's worth 25 million. What do you wanna be worth in 13 years, huh? Long term, you want to think that long? Too long, right? Oh, 13 years. You ready for the next one? The next one's intense, by the way. From 1970 to 1983, what do you think his net worth is in 83? 620. From 620 to 1996, you ready? Boom. 17 billion. 2009, 37 billion. 2022, 97 billion. From $140,000 to $100 billion net worth. Why though? Why? What do you think separates him from his peers? I'm reading, a, Dave, write this book down, guys. Everybody needs to go write this book. I didn't write it. It's a book called uh, How to Invest by a guy named David Rubenstein that's worth $4 billion, okay? He's the guy that started a company called Carlisle Group. You've probably heard of Carlisle Group. He goes in, in interviewing all of these billionaires and guys that are running hedge funds and ask them, what is your investment strategy, right? Do you know 90% of all the people, you'll see when you read this, I'd say 70% of all the people they inter he interviewed, everybody gives credit to one person. Guess who it is? This guy. And guess what they say about him? His edge on everybody was what? He's a what? And everybody else is thinking what? My return this year, it's like, no, man, we're going to go long term. Do you guys know a year and a half ago what they were bashing uh, uh, Buffett for? 
Warren Buffett sitting on $125 billion of cash with Berkshire Hathaway. We feel Warren Buffett has lost his ways. You know, he is no longer the same Warren Buffett he once used to be. The last seven years, he's been you know, losing to S&P. You are better off to put the money in the S&P 500 or Bitcoin or Ethereum rather than putting the money with Berkshire Hathaway. How many of you guys would love to have $125 billion of cash today? What do you think he's about to buy? He's going shopping. And guess what he's buying the next 3, 6, 12 months? Companies on flipping sale. And the next thing you know, boom, next level. Now, the guy is not going to live another 26 years to see a couple more doubles. I think he's 90 years old right now. But the point is this. What if, what if many of us think like he does? What if many of us think like he does? So again, those who capitalize from the current times will be, let me tell you, will be long-term thinkers. Will be long-term thinkers. Here lies a short-term thinker. Over the next 3, 6, 12 months, I'm telling you right now, go to the cemetery of former money makers filled with short-term thinkers everywhere. When I studied for my Series 7, I studied for my Series 7 every day next to my uh, grandmother's plot at Forest Lawn, right off the 170, 134 freeway. I don't know if you guys know where that's at. And I would sit right next to her, and I would read my Kaplan book to take my Series 7, because she had just died. So I would study there. It was calming for me. When I would take a break, I would walk. And this was my exercise. Yeah, I don't recognize that name. Nope. 39 years this person lived. 62 years, 83 years, 49 years, and then you'd stand like this, who's this guy? And then there was like one big one. You see this name, and then you go Google it. Oh, wow, this guy was somebody. Okay, crazy, boom. And I would sit there and say, okay, when the day comes and you die, what are you going to say when they walk by your plot? Here lies a short-term thinker, hell to the no. How many of you guys want to say that with me on three? One, two, three. Say it with me. Say, I'm a long-term thinker. Say it again. Say it louder. Even louder. Last time. Dude, say it to yourself regularly. If your wife is upset, say, babe, remember, babe, we're what? What, babe? We're long-term thinkers. We are long-term thinkers. You're going to see stress is going to go like this. Confidence is going to go like this. Poise is going to go here. So now, let's look at the whole thing together. Because I want to make a point to you guys. I want to make a point to you guys. Everything I just showed you, this is a snapshot that you have on one page. It shows Dow where it was to where it's at today. Interest rates, how many times it changed. Home price value, how many times it changed. But this is the one I want to show you. Look at... The amount of times Warren Buffett increased his net worth and how many doubles it was. Look at this. From, uh, from 140,000 to 25 million, you know what that is? That's 178x. 178x. The next one is 25x, from 25 million to 620. How many of you guys would like to increase your net worth 25x the next 13 years? Would anybody like that? That's exactly the point. So now next one, 27x from 620 to 17 billion. Then it's 2.2x, then it's 2.68. The guy was struggling at the end. He only went from 37 billion to 100 billion. Poor guy. You guys want to send him some money, you can sell him five bucks. I'm sure he'll appreciate it if you send him some money. But he started with 140. What's the number you're starting off with? So what's the difference between this guy and you? Well, Pat, you can't compare me to Buffett. I get it. I'm not telling you for you to be worth $100 billion however many years from now, but can you think long-term to say 40 years from now I want to be worth $100 million? Is that realistic? Of course it is. Why can't you put a $100 million number to yourself? Why can't you say, hey, you know what, babe? I don't know. In 13 years, I want to be worth $10 million. Let's solve for $10 million in 13 years. I know it's a lot of money to us today. We only got $52,000. But if this guy can go from, 52 to 20, from 140 to 25, I want to go 52 to $10 million in 13 years. Great. Then go solve for that. And it gives you something to look forward to, and it's exciting when you're thinking that way. Next one, as we go through this, okay? As we go through this, I want to show you this. 
if Dow from 1983 went from 1258 to 28,000, how many times is that? Does anybody know how many times that is? That is 23x. Let's take 23x and see where Dow will be from today by 2061. Many of you will be alive in 2061. Believe it or not, we're living a long life nowadays. Here's what it looks like. Dow's going to be at 655,902. <laughs> you know what this means? Long-term future looks what? Short-term uh, short times look what? Maybe scary, but not long-term. So now, in order for this to work for you, you need a clear philosophy for this to happen. Who knows the story of Anne Mulcahy? Who knows who Anne Mulcahy is? Does anybody know who Anne Mulcahy is? Raise your hand if you know who she is. Does anyone know who she is? I love the fact that you don't know who she is. But you're going to know in a minute when I tell you her story. But before I tell you her story, we have to know, for some of you guys, your business is growing during good or bad times. You have to study it. But many times when the business isn't growing, we don't like to study to see what things we could have done differently. Two weeks ago, I got a hold of a book called How to Mighty, uh, How to Mighty Fall. If you guys haven't ordered this book yet, it's an easy book. It's four hours of Audible. Just go order, order the uh, Audible and listen to it. It's worth reading. Anybody's read the book Good to Great? Who's read the book Good to Great? It's the same author that wrote Good to Great. So if you don't know the book, it's Good to Great. Jim Collins is a legend. How to Mighty Fall. There's five things this author talks about on How to Mighty Fall. Five things. Here's what the five things are. Number one, hubris born of success. Does anybody know what this means? Hubris born of success means what? Follow yourself. When you start making money and you start saying, I'm so good. I am so amazing. We did it because we're smarter than everybody else. Nobody is as good as we are. And then you start saying, well, you know, the people, it was really all me. It wasn't anybody else. I did all of this. It was all me. This is because of me. All because of me. And that's a very unattractive quality when a person gets to this point. The author asks two questions. It's a very interesting question. I want your attention with these two questions because it has a lot to do with step number one, phase number one he talks about. He says, you have two options on who to be. Two options. Option number one is to be the person that says the following. We're winning because we're great. We're the best. No one's like us. We're the, we're the best at what we do. We're smarter than everybody. We work harder than everybody. We're this, we're that. We have the best technology. We have the best this, we have the best that. That's one mindset. The second mindset, he says, is when you say, look, guys, we're good. But man, I really think we have to improve our technology or else. Guys, I think we're solid. We have a very good thing going on here in this system. But I think the other guy's doing it better. I do think we need to improve our systems a little bit and tighten, tighten it up. Guys, I do think we have that client that we just closed that's a million dollar commission, but I'm just gonna go stop by and visit them today in case another person came and tried to sell them away from us today. I'm gonna go stop by because I don't know if we 100% have them. I think we have the client 80%, but I'm not convinced we have them 100%. Guys, I think those two salespeople that work for us, the two LOs, I, I think they're happy, but I'm gonna take them to a restaurant tonight just to make sure they're happy. Because I don't know, I, I, I think they're locked in, but I'm going to take them out to dinner tonight. you got two mindsets. One of them is what? We're the best. The other one is what? We're good, but I think we got to kind of, I still think we got work to do, right? The author says, a person who thinks like this, if you are right and you're the best, guess what? You kill everybody as a competitor. But if you're wrong, what happens? You're going out of business. Then he comes over here and he says, this mindset, the person's like, I just think we're not there yet, guys. I think we got to do this. We're good, but I think we got to improve this. We got to call the client one more time. This mindset, he says, if you're right, that's great. If you're wrong, that's great. Did you get the question on what he's saying? Both ways, you're better off betting here. A lot of people in the marketplace were here the last one, two, three, four, five, ten years. We're the best. We're the best. We're the best. Hubris born of success. You think it's because of you and you cannot lose. Number two, undisciplined pursuit of more. It's very interesting how we explain this here. 
How many of you guys remember a company called Rubbermaid? Who remembers Rubbermaid? Anybody remembers Rubbermaid? So one day, Rubbermaid is killing it. They're doing great. They're, they're dominating the marketplace. They all of a sudden say, the way we're going to beat everybody is we're going to produce and invent one new product every day for the next three years. Oh my God, that's so innovative. Every day for three years, they produce a new product. Guess what happens three years later? They have a thousand new products. But guess what happened to their company? They don't know how to sell it because they went too wide too soon. They lost their specialty. They lost their focus. Boom, they took a massive hit. The market came and passed them up. During a time like this, a lot of people during scary times like the one we're in, they're going to try to say, okay, let me tell you what we offer. And we offer this, and we do credit repair, and we do REO, and we do short sale, and we do loan modification, and we do that, and we do this, and we do that, and we offer this, and we offer that. They're going to, we offer 48 different products. Not the right strategy. You're going here. You're being tempted to try to do everybody. Like, you're going to come to a meeting like this. Oh, we're going to sell this. Oh, no, no, let's do this over here. No, let's do this. No, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do that. Momentum's not going to be created every time you're shifting and adjusting your philosophies. Not strategic. Number three. Number three is denial, risk, and peril. Here's what this is. How many of you guys, we've all done this before, but tell me if you relate to this. How many of you guys look at your data on a weekly basis? You look some kind of data on a weekly basis, if not on a monthly basis. Raise your hand if you look at some data. How many of you guys sometimes, when you're talking to your team or yourself, you only want to look at the data that makes you look good? How many of you guys have done that before? Raise your hand if you've done that before, right? We've all done it before, right? Okay. It'll be like this in a meeting. So, oh, guys, let me tell you what happened. Do you know we have a record-breaking amount of 1003s, the applications that came in, and the amount of calls that we showed? It's amazing. Yeah, but we're not fun. We're, we have to. We have to look, no, 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 let's stay positive. Do you realize what's going on? You know how much money we're making? Look how much money we're, yeah, I get it, but customers, we're getting 22% fewer customers coming into the restaurant every day. Stop being negative. Do you realize what we did? We have now expanded and opened up five more new offices. Yeah, I, I know, but dude, our, our EBITDA just dropped. What are we doing? Our EBITDA just dropped. Michael Burry, who knows who Michael Burry is? Does anybody know who Michael Burry is? How many guys have no clue who Michael Burry is? The moment I tell you who he is, you know who he is, you're going to follow him on Twitter. Who's seen the movie Big Short? The guy who predicted it, his name is Michael Burry. He has an account on Twitter, it's called Cassandra. It's him. He's got like six, 800,000 followers. Go follow him. He tweeted something two days ago, he said the following. How many guys know what the word EBITDA is? Does anybody know what the word EBITDA means? He says, how is it that we have a hundred companies on the market right now that are worth $10 billion, but their EBITDA was minus $100 million the last 12 months. Did anybody catch what I just said right now? Companies worth $10 billion, but their net profits minus $100 million. He's like, is anybody looking at this stuff? This is the same thing he said with Big Short. So this is where people are like, no, 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 but don't look at all the data. What you're supposed to do in this session here is you're supposed to sit with your leaders and say, guys, listen. We have to look at these numbers together because you first sell everybody on what the vision is long-term, not short-term. If the vision is long-term, we have to look at all this data. He said, the reason why the mighty fall is they do not look at the data that doesn't make them happy. They don't have the guts to do it. Number four, let's go to number four. Number four is um, grasping for salvation. You know what stage this is? This is where you're now begging. This is when you, all of a sudden, you go to Walmart, you buy a set of knee pads because never in your life have you prayed this many times before. You're getting on your knees. You, you've started praying to, to Prophet Muhammad. You're, you're praying to, to Jesus. You're praying to Abraham. You're praying to every religion. You go from Catholic to Mormonism to Scientology. You're like, any God that's listening to me, can one of you guys make a miracle for me, please? You're now begging for salvation. Please save me. Please save us. And what happens next? Capitulation to irrelevance or death. Do you know what that means? A little bit too many big words for me as well. Does anybody know what capitulation to irrelevance or death? You know what that means? You're gone. You're out of business. 
So now, how many of you guys are willing to admit to the following? Raise your hand if you're willing to say, I think we went through a little bit of stage number one. How many of you guys went through a little bit of stage number one? Which is kind of like, man, I think we're like really, really good. And you're like, ah, I don't know if we're as good as we, okay. By the way, all of us are there. All of us are there. How many of you guys are currently maybe at stage number two? You're like trying a million different things to try to get so innovative. How many of you guys are at stage number three right now? You're like, you do not want to look at the bad numbers. You do not want to look at the bad numbers. Whatever stage you're at, I'm going to go back and tell you the story of Anne Mulcahy. Here's what Anne Mulcahy said. Anne Mulcahy started working at Xerox in 1976 as a salesperson. 24 years later, Anne Mulcahy, who did sales for 16 years, and for eight years she did HR and home office, the board makes a decision to promote Anne Mulcahy from a Xerox salesperson to, you know what position? What position do you think they gave her from a salesperson? A company the size of Xerox. Do you want to take a while to guess what the position was? You can scream it out. What do you think it was? To the CEO of Xerox. What? So she gets the call. The board says, yep. And we're announcing you as the next CEO of Xerox. You're announcing me as the next? Yep, you're the next CEO of Xerox. Oh, but I'm not ready. They're announcing her as a Xerox. Okay. She's the CEO. But we got some news for you. What's that? Let us tell you what kind of company you're getting. What's that? I'm ready for this. This is exciting. I'm going to become the CEO of Xerox. This is at a time where women are not becoming CEOs of Fortune 100 companies. This isn't today. This is years ago in 2001, August 15th, is when she got the promotional CEO with Xerox. They said, here's where the company's at today. Xerox today, we are in debt. Debt, bonds, we're in debt $19 billion. And she's like, okay, but how much cash do we have? <laughs> we're in debt $19 billion. We only have $100 million in a bank account. Let me give you some perspective. That's like you having $190,000 in credit card and you only have $1,000 in a bank. How many of you guys would be freaking out right now if that was you and you got that job? That's how she got promoted to CEO. So she sits there, she's looking at this saying, this year, the board tells her, we lost $376 million this year. Moody's, does anybody know what Moody's grading company is? They graded Xerox, Xerox bonds as junk bonds. Does anyone know what a junk bond is? Like it's trash, don't waste your time, don't buy the bonds of Xerox. Now how many here know who Xerox is? Who knows who Xerox is? Who knows who Xerox is? How many guys have bought a product from Xerox before in your office? This is Xerox we're talking about. Xerox about to go out of business. Anne Mulcahy, salesperson, 26. She's been with them from 1976. She's a salesperson. They promote her. 16 years she's been doing sales. She's now the CEO. They have her the first meeting. She gets up there and she says, let me tell you guys the story of Xerox. Here's who we are. Here's what we've overcome. Here's what we've done. Here's why we've won. Here's what we've done well. Here's what we're going to go back to. We're not going to 50 new products. We're not going back to doing all this stuff. We're going to shut this down. It's wasting money. We're going to shut that down. We're going to close this down. We're going to go to basic fundamentals. And she went out there, started talking to all of the executive, the employees, the salespeople, lifting everybody up. Hey, thank you for your work. You're doing such a great job. Let's keep getting better. Thank you for your work. You're doing such a great job. Let's keep getting better. She kept going to everybody, talking, 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 talking. Two years later or so, they profit a billion dollars. Four years later, Chief Executive Magazine calls her the CEO of the year. Forbes said she is the sixth most powerful woman in the world, Anne Mulcahy. And she started off as a regular sales rep for Xerox. What's the point here? What your family right now needs, what my family right now needs, what our family right now needs, our company, our associates, people we're working with, it's going back to the basic fundamentals. The future looks bright. Long term, we're good. Let me tell you why we started this company. Here's why we started XYZ. This is what the vision was. These are our customers. How can we help you? Look, some of you are not going to be here with us long term. I know times are going to be hard. But those of you that do, one day we're going to tell the story. We had one of our guys. In 2010, these guys got started with us. Okay? They came with us. They were with us for two years. 
When I gave the first round of equity to our sales guys, they qualified for the second biggest share when they got this equity. When times got hard, they stepped away a year later. This is 2012, 2013. They stepped away. When this event took place a few months ago, you know their equity, you know how much their exit was supposed to be? If I tell you the number, you'd, be, you'd feel so bad for those guys. You would feel so bad for them. But I told everybody, listen, times are not going to be always good. We're going to go through some challenging times. It's going to be hard. Those of you who stick around with us long term, we're going to take over the world together. And this was the constant language. So now, Pat, what do I do from here? A few things for you to be thinking about. Number one, you got to initiate new contacts. You have to be a biz dev machine today. Network card, network card, network card. Send them a gift, send them a book. Be different when you network with people. Don't just go and network and get people's numbers and try to do business with them day one. Become an incredible networker. Number two, maintain the current contacts that you have and then advance the current contacts that you have. What does that mean? Maintaining is, hey, Johnny, how's everything? Family's good, everybody's good? Yes, fantastic. Johnny, how can I help you? What are you going through right now that I can help you with? Oh, we're good, man. Everything. But you know what? I am looking for somebody that's a great CPA. Do you know a great accountant? Absolutely. I'll give you two options on great accountants. Fant I'm going to text them to you right now. Matter of fact, did you get the text? Yes. These are the two best guys. Give them a call. I'll call them and let them know that he should be expecting a call from him. Hey, thank you so much, Patrick. No problem. By the way, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I'm looking for a couple people here to help raise money. Do you know any good investment bankers I should be talking to? Of course. I got one. His name is Jackie. Fantastic. Can I get his name? In? Do you mind sending an email or group text and making an intro? Most definitely. Because I'm initiating new contacts. I'm maintaining my existing contact. And I'm advancing my existing contact to meet people that they know. This is what you got to be doing the next 3, 6, 12 months. But by the way, how many of us in this room can do a much better job as a, at a basic fundamental skill set as this? How many of us can get better at this the next 6, 12 months? Who in this room? All of us can get better at this. All of us can get better at this. Now, here's the next one. The next one I'll wrap up with that I want you to be thinking about. We just recently signed to launch the next book with uh, 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 Penguin that we're doing a book with. And we're sitting there. We're talking about everything that we're going to be doing. Two Sundays ago, we're at the house. And I'm sitting there saying, Mario's asking questions. We're going back and forth. It's like, so, you know, how do you do leadership development? How do you improve yourself? How do you increase the value in the marketplace? What do we do with some of our guys? What do you do to get your people to be better and yourself to get better? And we wrote out and we came out with this paradigm shift quadrant. Let me share this with you. There's four areas that you and I can improve ourselves to increase our market value. Two of them you do doesn't explode your market value. Two above that you do explodes your market value, you and the people that work with you. Let me share this with you. Bottom left is hard skills. Does anybody here have a hard skill that pays very well? Raise your hand if you have a good hard skill. Matter of fact, on three, scream out the hard skill that you're very good at. One, two, three. That's a hard skill, okay? So first one is hard skills. You learn how to get a hard skills. If you learn hard skills, you pretty much have a nice salary for yourself, but it's not enough. So, so what's the next one, Pat? I said character. What's character? Character doesn't mean stealing, cheating, any of that stuff. Character to me is somebody that shows up, somebody that's doing the work, somebody if they say they're going to do something, they do, somebody that follows up, somebody that doesn't cancel appointments. If we got a 5 o'clock appointment, all of a sudden somebody invites you to a Laker game, you don't cancel the appointment and go to a Laker game and reschedule it. There's a lot of salespeople that will always reschedule appointments the moment something else comes up. I don't like that kind of stuff. You got a 4 o'clock appointment, keep your 4 o'clock appointment. Unless if a massive crisis happens, and less than 1% of your appointments you should reschedule or cancel. Let me say that one more time. Less than 1% of your appointments you should ever reschedule and cancel. This guy keeps all of his appointments. He shows up on time, clients are very happy. If you do those two things, is that enough? Are those two things alone to increase your market value today? The answer is no. Because those two just make you a good citizen. And every company, every community, every society needs good citizens, but it's not enough. There's two of them that we got to go through here. Soft skills today is very, very valuable. A lot of people are not that good at soft skills. A lot of people know how to do real estate. Maybe they know how to sell, but they're not that good with people. They know how to do insurance, annuities, 401ks, but they're not that good with people. Soft skill is knowing how to talk to a person that's a customer that's married. They're in their 60s. 
You talk to somebody that's widowed, divorced, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, degree, no degree, makes six figures, is low income, middle income, very wealthy, very well off, affluent. Soft skills allows that person to be able to work with everyone. You increase your market value if you got good soft skills. And then the last one is a paradigm shift. Almost everybody in this room, if you ever suddenly recreated yourself and you were a new person that your family, friends had never seen before, you had a paradigm shift. You had a paradigm shift. It could have been with your family. It could have been with your friends. It could have been with something. But let me explain what a paradigm shift is. Paradigm shift is, some of you guys are here. Is this day one or is this day two of the event? Is this day two? Day one of the event? Okay. Who today... Out of all the speakers, not myself, the people prime me, who today said something to you that got you really thinking all day today? How many guys saw something, somebody said that you've been thinking about it all day today? Okay, so what was it? Somebody tell me what it was. What was the one thing somebody told you that got you thinking all day today? Mental toughness, what else is it? Execute, what else? Operations and systems, what else? Say that again. Long term, what else? Total recreation. Okay. Let, let me give you some paradigm shifts for me. I'm in the Army. I'm about to re-enlist for six years. It's June of 1999. Everything I asked for my sergeant, they brought for me. My colonel, they gave to me. I'm going to Vicenza, Italy. I'm going to go be a special forces, 18 Delta. They gave me everything I want. I spoke four languages, five languages. German was good, but it wasn't good enough to be counted as a fifth. I was going to go to DLI. I was going to go to Vicenza. I was going to get everything. I'm in bed. At 11.45, I get a call from a guy I had barbecue with last night. Guy's name is Kogan. He calls me, says, hey, Pat, how's everything? I said, great. I'm about to re-enlist for six more years. They got me everything I wanted. He says, what do you mean? I said, I'm about to stay in the Army for six more years. He says, you can't do that. I said, what do you mean I can't do that? I'm doing that. I'm doing it tomorrow. You can't do that. I said, I'm, I'm doing it tomorrow. I like, can't do anything about it. I already told my dad I'm re-enlisting tomorrow. It's my ceremony. I'm getting an Army accommodation medal, and I'm gone. Pat, you can't do it. Give me one hour to convince you not to do it. I'm like, you're not going to do it. One hour on the phone. The things he told me, he shook me. I couldn't believe what he was telling me. By the time we were done, I couldn't sleep all night. I woke up. I couldn't even sleep. I got up in the morning. I went to Lieutenant Colonel Peacock's. I said, Colonel Peacock, I got to tell you something. He says, what's that? I said, I can't re-enlist. He says, what do you mean? He said, I got to go into civilian. I got to go be a civilian. I think I can make it as a civilian. But David, you're going to be an incredible soldier for us. I can't re-enlist. I have to get out. I got a phone call. I'm so sorry because you changed my life. I got to get out. I can't re-enlist. They pull my Army accommodation medal. I get out of the Army. That phone call was a paradigm shift because a guy made a phone call and believed in me at my low, like I'm like, you, me, I'm a regular army guy, 1.8 GPA. Who was in the military here before? Make some noise if you were in the military before. Okay, let's make some noise for these guys. By the way, what was your, what was your ASVAB score? Scream out your ASVAB score on three. One, two, three. I, I got a 31. The only job I could be is infantry or a Hummer mechanic. Guess what I chose? Hummer mechanic. I'm a regular guy. I'm supposed to do 20 years in the military. That phone call shook me, couldn't sleep. I had a paradigm shift. I got out. My life changed. One day I'm at a, a Christmas party with my family, my dad and I, a Syrian Christmas party. I'm 25, 26 years old. We're talking to everybody. We're poor. We're not doing well. And one of the guys on my dad changed his life. The guy makes a comment to my dad, and my dad offends my dad. I listen to him. I'm like... Dad, what did he just say to you? He said this. I said, he can't talk to you like that. I said, Patrick, these are my friends. You can't say anything. I said, no, we're leaving. We're not staying here right now. We got to get out of here. I said, no, no, we're not leaving. It's a Christmas party. They invited us. I said, Dad, you don't talk to my dad like this. I said, listen, I love you. You're family. I love you a lot. But you don't talk to my dad. It's just a joke. It's not a joke I like. It's not a joke I like. Dad, we're leaving. I'm not leaving with you. I'm your, I'm your ride. What are you talking? Let's go. We gotta get well, I'm not leaving with you. What's the matter? I said, we're leaving, Dad. We're leaving. We get in the car. Ford Focus is what I'm driving. I'm 6'5". I don't fit on a Ford Focus. I'm driving a Ford Focus. <laughs> Do you know a 30-minute drive from Glendale to Granada Hills? We're fighting the entire time. We're fighting. I'm like, 
I allowed another man to disrespect my dad in front of me, and I'm not. Guys, that small little 75-second interaction is why I told my entire family the world's going to know my dad's last name. I said, Dad, they're going to have to kill this guy. They're going to know your last name. They're going to know your last name. How much you did for all of these freaking people in your family, they're going to know your last name. They're going to have to kill me. They're going to know your last name. What are you saying? We're regular people. What is the matter with you? Why are you saying stuff? That, that I, I understand. But they're going to know who you are and how many people's lives you changed. Your son's going to show the world what you're all about. You'll see. I call my family, my sister and my brother-in-law come and I talk. Guys, I don't, I don't talk like this. I had a paradigm shift. I went to sales meetings. This is, is this Long Beach Convention Center? 20 years ago, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar here. I was 21 years old. These are paradigm shift type of moments, but you have to receive it. When this thing ends at 7.30 tonight, I don't know what plans everybody got. I'll tell you what I'd be doing if I was at a place like this, especially with the shit show of a market we got going on right now. I'm not going to the bar drinking. I'm going to go get cards, network, do all that stuff. Boom, straight away from everybody. Business planning, pen, paper, let's go for hours. I'm going to have a paradigm shift type of a moment at this event. I'm going to change my life. What hard skills do I need? What character do I need to improve as a human being? What soft skills do I need? What do I need to do? I'm going to do something special in my life. That's the decision you got to be making. FYI, less than 5% of you will do what I just said. Less than 5% of you will do what I just said. Most of you are looking forward to partying tonight. I went to an insurance conference. One of the main executives says, Pat, why don't you ever drink with everybody? I said, drink for what? He says, but you always have a drink, but you start with the same drink, and at the end of the night, it's the same drink with the same amount left. I said, first, I want to make everybody feel comfortable. I have a drink, but I'm not drinking. Why don't you drink? Because if I drink, I'm loose. I'm no longer learning. I'm talking. If I stay still, they're talking. I'm learning. Why would I drink? He says, I never thought about it that way before. You guys got to make a decision. These numbers I'm telling you, these people are not any more special than you. They made a flipping decision a long time ago. They made a very major decision a long time ago. And today your family, your peers, people around you are relying on you. I went to this protesting right before. I'm going 120 miles an hour on the freeway with people in the car. I went around the Iranian community. I don't like what's going on anymore. It bothers me. I was born in Iran. I'm made in America. I'm half Armenian, half Assyrian, and I love America, but I love Iran. I got four kids. I want to one day take them there and show them these places. These things matter to me. You have to think about your heritage. You have to think about the sacrifices your mom, your dad made to bring you to America. You, you owe it to them on what they did for you. That has to get you to be thinking about your dreams in a complete different way. This ain't about a Lambo and a Ferrari and a Rolls Royce and a $25 million house. This ain't about that. This is about today, the world is looking for leaders and what are you going to do about it? That's what today's all about. So now, these two things. Bottom one, reliable citizen. I'm willing to bet 100% of you are reliable citizens. You're good for marketplace. You pay your bills, you pay your taxes, you take care of your family. I'm willing to bet 99% of you guys are good citizens or else you wouldn't be at an event like this. The one above is impactful citizen. It is time for us to make a decision to become an impactful citizen, not just a reliable citizen. This is the part about a paradigm shift. I told you right up front I was going to be straight up with you. You can have plenty of motivational speakers. It's not my style. I'm going to give it to you raw. You like it, great. You don't like it, it's not my problem. You got to do something with this. That's how I like to be spoken to. I want somebody to tell me exactly what the hell is going on and what do I need to know and what do I need to do about it. That's all I want to hear from you. That's the message that I took. So to wrap it up here for you guys on this message side, you have to understand this part, guys. I want to finish with this. Never in my life have I been more optimistic about the future, and shit's never been crazier than it is today. It's so weird. It has never been crazier than it is today, and I've, I've never been more optimistic than I am today. The country we're living, living in has always been known for developing leaders. If you live in America, you come to America, if you attend an event like Driven, hosted by Albert and Sil, who they've been doing this year after year after year after year after year for six years, good times, bad times, doesn't matter, they're gonna put their events together, which by the way, make some noise for Preciados for doing a great job hosting these events. This entire event was put together. This entire event, in a greedy way, you have to think about it this way. This entire event 
When I would come to events, I would say this. This entire event's been put together for one person. I don't care if there's 10,000 people in the room, 5,000 people in the room, 1,000 people in the room, 100 people in the room. This entire event was put together for one person, and that's me, which means it's who? It's you. You got to receive the message. You got to make that paradigm shift. And then 6, 12, 24, 36 months, 10 years, 13 years, 26 years later, we're going to be reading about your story. I'm going to sit there and say, look at these. This guy talked about an event he was at 2022 when the market was going crazy. He attended this event called Driven. Look at what this guy did with his life. Good for freaking him. Good for freaking her. Good for freaking that husband and wife that make, made a decision to do something big for themselves. And then you're going to be proud of yourself.